Organizations of all sizes and types are focused on creating an environment that celebrates the differences in every individual. But diversity and inclusion isn't just a tagline or a thing you check off. It's an ongoing journey. I'm Greg Thomas from Workday. Today on the Workday podcast, I'm joined by Karen Taylor, Chief Diversity Officer at Workday, and Mike Dillon, Chief Diversity and Inclusion Leader at PwC. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Glad you're here. So, so Mike, maybe starting with you, I mean, Share a little bit of your own experience and your story. How did you come to be in the diversity space? So uh, I've been at the firm for the last 30 years, and so I came out professionally at my time at the firm, and I know that uh, the coordinated efforts of many, uh, many caring people can make change in the diversity and inclusion space. And as a gay man and as a highly visible role model over the years, I know that we may change outside the four walls of PwC and inside the four walls of PwC. So now in this role as Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer, I think about paying that forward. I think about that change across all dimensions of diversity. And Karen, how about you? Yeah, my journey started quite some time ago. Um, as an African-American woman, I've had some experiences that have led me to think about diversity a little differently, and I'll share one of those experiences. Before I started doing diversity work, I um, used to travel all around the world and um, I was actually at a sales conference one time. And the sales conference was a typical sales conference, about 120 people. Um, I was one of about 10 women, one of two African-Americans and the only African-American woman in the room. And the topic of conversation that day happened to be diversity. Um, however, as I sat there looking at the presenter, which was a typical looking executive, a, a white man, I sat there just really having an adverse reaction to listening to this person talk about diversity. And I couldn't receive his message. And so I walked up to him during a break and I said, Mike, I said, and not Mike Dillon, but a different Mike. I said, Mike, I'm sorry, but I really can't receive your message. And he said, why not? And I said, because of what you look like. And he said, I'm gay. And it was the first time that unconscious bias hit me upside the head, but the real moral of the story didn't happen until later that evening when I was sitting at home and all of a sudden I just started crying because what I had realized is that what I had done to Mike, people had been doing to me my entire life and that had been judging me simply by what I had looked like. And I in turn started to doing it to other people. So it was literally that day that I decided I would never make another person feel undervalued simply because of what they look like. And so that really has driven how I think about diversity and inclusion today. And Karen, that story resonates a lot with me because people will look at me and say, why the middle-aged white guy in diversity and inclusion? And then we talk about invisible dimension of diversity, like being part of the LGBT plus community and people understand I'm trying to pay it forward. But I understand that story and that <laughs> hidden bias. I can totally resonate Thank with Thank you for that. sharing. Sure. Thank you both for being so willing to share your own experiences. And so... How do you think about diversity and inclusion? How do you define it? How do you try to put it into practice? And maybe, Mike, starting with you. 
So I look at diversity as getting people in the door and the scorekeeping, but I really think about inclusion as what's happening in the workplace. And to me, inclusion is belonging. Is it an organization you feel you could belong at before you join? When you do join, is it an organization you feel you belong every day in the four walls and an organization where you, you feel succeeding uh, by belonging in that organization? Karen, what would you add or take away from that? Yeah, yeah. for me, I really think about diversity in terms of it really equaling difference. And one of the things that I like to do is level set around the fact that everybody is diverse. And when I start from a point of helping people understand that diversity simply means difference. So if I look at Mike as an example, you know, um, the color of Mike's skin is no more, no less diverse than the color of my skin. Mike's masculinity is no more or no less diverse than my femininity, these are just different things. And when we level set that way, then people understand that everybody plays a role and has a part in the diversity conversation. Yeah, I love that because it, it really simplifies it, right? We're all individual human beings. We all have experiences. We all come from different backgrounds. We all have a story to tell. And if we can find a way to share those stories and, and celebrate them, it, it makes it a much nicer place for everyone. To carry on from that thought, like diversity hasn't always, perhaps, been seen as something that could include everyone. There mm -hmm. were classes of people that diversity initiatives, perhaps, were, were directed at. Um, the way you both described it is, is a different way to, to think about the topic. Talk about that. Yeah, you know, uh, when, when I think about diversity and the way that we talk about it at Workday is really something that we look at um, called VIBE, and it's value, inclusion, belonging, and equity for all. And what we really want everyone to do is really make sure that they are not just accountable, but they are a part of the issues that we're trying to solve. And so when I can take um, the, the beauty in the difference in every single person and really leverage that to help us solve problems differently, that's what's going to give back to both Workday and our customers. Yeah. What about you, Mike? I think about it when we want to say inclusion, uh, including the majority. And when I ask the majority, who are you championing? Who are you sponsoring? Who are you an ally of? I really want to give them the opportunity to be an ally, sponsor, champion, someone that doesn't look like them. And sometimes that needs uh, teaching them and teaching what exactly an ally means, what a champion could do, the power of sponsorship for someone that is not like them. So maybe for our listeners, like talk a little bit about that. What, what is an ally, a champion, a sponsor? How should people who, who want to, to be part of this movement think about what they could do to help? Yeah, I'll start. I, I think I want to redefine all of these together. I think ally was something that was always in the LGBT plus community, but I think it feels the same as champion and sponsorship, which is very different than mentoring. Uh, when we talk about creating equity in the workplace, I think that's what a sponsor help does. And I think a lot of times our diversity inclusion programs in corporate America has been focused on the diverse individual, almost what are you going to do to fix yourself, as opposed to how are we going to change this organization. So we are more an organization of belonging and more of an organization of sponsoring each other to succeed in the organization together and to create a better organization that's more uh, profitable and more attractive to recruits and, and clients. 
Yeah, I agree with Mike, and I think it really requires this notion of collaboration and partnership across all the parties. There's something that I have to give, and there's something that I can receive. And so I think both ends of that work really well together, but I do think it is inclusive and you know, really based on a collaboration that happens between the parties. I mean, it described that way is why not, right? I mean, it's perfect business sense for, for the company, right? You get better employees, people are more engaged, people are more engaged themselves. Um, but it, it hasn't always been so easy, has it? No, it hasn't. And I think that the workplace is always a place that people have caution around what conversations they use, are they gonna or have, what language are they gonna use, what topics are gonna, they gonna approach. And I think we're in such a time of whatever happens outside the four walls, we're naive if we think that doesn't affect our employees and what they and who they bring to the workplace every day. So I think that silence is deafening in the workplace and we're having a lot more conversations. And I think that's gonna help us understand and have the tools and the courage to be more inclusive. I also think the this you know the new generations within the workplace are driving how we're looking at this conversation very differently as well millennials and soon to be the Gen Z or digital native generation, they're demanding that we address a lot of the issues that they care about that are happening from a social perspective outside of the walls of our companies. And they're asking, are you, do you have a diversity and inclusion effort at your company? And if you say no, a lot of that talent and what we think of as great talent is deciding to opt out of coming into our companies. And I think we really need to be concerned about, concerned about that as we're thinking about the war for talent. Yeah, I think about how the barriers between what we traditionally thought of as work life and, and home life, those have, have sort of softened, right? This is a similar d dynamic, perhaps, that, as you put it, Mike, what's happening in the wider world, of course it affects us all as human beings. How can we leave that at the door when we show up to work? It's probably not a realistic assumption. And belonging and inclusion is really based on trust and trust is saying you're able to have these conversations to be able to bring up these topics that are very difficult and there are no easy answers or black and white answers, but I, we feel as a firm it's very important to be having these difficult conversations in the workplace. Yeah, the, the other thing that I'd add to that too is this element of empathy that often does not exist in the workplace and the empathy for what are the experiences that other people are having that we need to take into consideration when we're in the, in the workplace because those experiences are impacting productivity and how our employees are showing up. And so I'd say, I think it's important for us to also think about what is it like to walk in someone else's shoes and how can we be more empathetic um, about those experiences? I mean, that really resonates with me. I had a conversation maybe three, four months ago with a, with a coworker who was relating what it was like to, uh, as an African-American, to live through Black Lives Matter, which is, of course, not done, but, when, you know, about a year ago. And, and she said, you know, how can I show up to work every day and, and leave those feelings at home? It's not realistic. I need that empathy. I need to be able to talk to people. I need to be able to express what's on my heart and in my head. Otherwise, I, I can't do my best work and, and I can't relate to people if, if we can't you know, find some common ground to talk about things that, as you said, are very difficult to talk about. And, and as Mike mentioned, built on trust, right? If I don't feel comfortable coming in and saying, this is how this is weighing on me today, 
How am I going to feel like I can release that and still come to work and be myself, be my best self, if I have to leave those things that are really deep and bothering me outside the walls of our companies? It just it doesn't work like that in terms of us as people. And I think it absolutely goes to belonging and trust and respect, but I'm glad, Karen, you brought up productivity. Because I look back on my career and my biggest regret is all the negative energy I put into covering as a gay male mm -hmm. until I was ready to come out. And that distracted me from uh, maybe going after promotion sooner than I did or just being that person that showed every day uh, full force in the workplace. And so I'm very sensitive to people covering for any matter in the workplace. I love the fact that you brought that up because I, I have a, a, a kind of mixed experience with that, right? Not only am I an African-American woman, which I can't cover, but I'm also a lesbian, right? Which I have for many years I covered. And so you're absolutely right in terms of the productivity and really the draw on and how that really impacts, you know, just just how you show up is super important because I wasn't being authentic and I wasn't being my best self because I was hiding so much of who I was. You're carrying a rock around, right? Yes. Um, so let, let's pivot a little bit and talk about how companies are, are thinking about and, and working through these issues. So, so maybe starting with that diversity component, which Mike, I think you said earlier was about, you know, the, the, the scorekeeping. So how are companies tracking diversity demographics and what barriers exist in, in how they wish to do that? Maybe Karen, we'll start with you. Yeah, I mean, I think typically we track diversity demographics the normal way by counting heads. And I think that that gives you a sense of who's in your workforce. Um, but for the most part, that that's predominantly what it gives you with an exception of where do you have some opportunity? I think the flip side of that is how do you start to measure inclusion? How do you start to measure belonging? What's the real employee experience that your employees are having? And how do you take that into consideration as you're thinking about not just the impact on innovation, but the impact that you're also having um, and in the experience that your customers are having with you? And so I think that we have to get much more crafty about pulling in that other piece of how we measure um, inclusion and belonging along with the diversity space to really make it a full picture in terms of how we're measuring um, just diversity and inclusion across the board. And Mike, what would you add? I completely agree with that, and I think, you know, the benefit of having pulse surveys, which I think Workday does every Friday, um, I think when you look at that, that really goes to an employee's experience, I think tells us about a lot about someone feeling included and feeling like they belong. Uh, we just implemented Workday at PwC, and a conversation Karen and I just had about a month ago is around self-ID and how do we have our people self-ID within the workplace. And that is an issue we have, especially around the hidden dimensions of diversity or the invisible like disability um, and LGBT plus uh, communities. And the point is though, how do you get employees to feel like there's something for me? There's an advantage, there's a benefit on the other side of me disclosing, and also for a company to prove employees why this is so important for us, not just scorekeeping, but for the experience we're able to provide across all dimensions of diversity. So a very interesting thing with Workday around self-ID, and so we're excited about that opportunity. Yeah, and I think it I think it allows employees to really bring their best selves to work, right? It allows them to be who they are and know that their company cares about them as individuals, not just as a number. And I think that's important for us also. Well, it's interesting. When you were talking about it, Karen, I was thinking, well, that, that's a lot of subjectivity. 
but you made a very objective example, Mike, out of how you could start to track those different dimensions and then use that as a way perhaps to look at, okay, then if someone identifies in this way, do they feel included? You know, cool stuff. So we've talked a little bit about technology and, and how it's changed things. Um, where do you see the role of technology, if, if there is one, in helping people to feel more included, to, to be able to identify in the ways that they wish to, to, to bring them, their best selves to work? So uh, we just started a new inclusion hub. We also have an app. And what we're really excited about is to be able to bring people together for mentoring purposes. And, right, and we know we have offices where there's not a lot of representation, certain dimensions of diversity. And so is there additional coaching, support, champion, feeling I'm not alone in this? We feel technology is bringing people together. And so we just piloted uh, to great reviews. We're also thinking about some gaming applications we could use to think about how we, again, create those communities within our four walls. Maybe bridging some of the physical distance with virtual Absolutely. Absolutely. I think another part to add to that is is the importance of diversity in technology itself. So how are we creating technology and what are the different perspectives that are going into how technology is created? So if you think about artificial intelligence as an example, if you don't have a myriad of perspectives from people with different backgrounds, then are we really going to be leveraging technology that's going to be doing it in a very automated way? Are we really leveraging the technology the best way that we can? And so I think diversity and inclusion really play a key part in how that technology is created. And I think that's going to be a big part, a big part of how we leverage technology in a positive way as we move forward. And Karen mentioned also earlier about uh, being in each other's shoes. Think about the possibilities for virtual reality to truly be in each other's shoes. Yeah. yeah. What is the role of leadership in, in championing inclusion and championing diversity? Mike, we'll start with you. Uh, I think the first thing is to acknowledge the tone and how often you talk about it, how frequently, and how well you understand what the issues are and that there truly are differences that have to be uh, bridged. Um, I also think just that leadership, not just within the four walls, but outside the four walls, that advocacy, that taking a step forward shows your people a lot about what your personal values are and what the values are of the firm. And we've made DNI part of our purpose, part of our values of the firm. That's sure. great. I would add to that um, one, the first thing is probably engagement, and the second thing is mirroring the behaviors that we want to see from our leaders. Um, the other thing that I would add to that is getting leaders to a point to where they are comfortable talking about diversity and inclusion. A lot of us have very different experiences and we feel very differently about the conversation and some of us are not as comfortable as Mike and I talking about this because we've gone through journeys in different ways. And so I think really getting leaders to um, not just mirror the behaviors, but to be comfortable in their own skin talking about this topic is important. And I know Karen, we've talked before about the CEO action for diversity and inclusion and, and other bodies where leaders can get out there and 
and, and really dive into this. Yeah, and compliments to PwC because their CEO was one of the people who really spearheaded um, the CEO for action. And now there are hundreds of customer of companies who are engaged in the CEO for action. And I think the more that they're having conversations about solving some of the real issues, the better off we're all going to be. Yes, it's almost up to 500 signatories, and we're very proud that our CEO was uh, one of the initial founders of the CEO Action for Diversity and Inclusion. Uh, we think it's a really important dialogue because it's something we should not be competitive on. I always think about the tide should rise together here, and this is something we all collectively can do for society. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's funny because sometimes we've been, not, not PwC and Workday, but a lot of times we think about each other as competitors. And I think in this in this space, we're not competitors. We are all in this together. We can learn so much from one another. That's the beauty of a topic like this that is growing immensely every single day. And so I love the fact that I get to work with people like Mike and really delve into this conversation and learn from one another. So let's let's bring it on home. So if someone's listening and they're thinking to themselves, right, I, I would really like to to be a, a bigger part of this movement. I would like to to help to be maybe an advocate or an ally or a mentor, um, or or just bring a different aspect of themselves um, to work. What would you suggest to someone who says, I, I, "How do I help?" For me, I would say, don't let fear hold you back. Be courageous in being able to step into conversations even when you may not have all the answers or even when you may not know the right words and the right questions to ask. But I think being brave and courageous and just stepping into the conversation will go, will go a, a long way. Mike? We'd sit back and take an inventory and really look at who you're helping to come into your firm or company, who you're helping to advance, who you're sponsoring, who you're championing, and then spend some time thinking about who are you potentially leaving behind every day. Good advice. Um, my thanks to Mike Dillon of PwC and Karen Taylor of Workday. So thank you so much both for coming in. I'm Greg Thomas. Thank you for listening to the Workday podcast. If you'd like to hear more, please subscribe. Thanks for listening.